Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Taiwan has elected a new president. William Lai Qingde claimed victory on January 13th after he won an unprecedented third consecutive term for the ruling Democratic Progressive Party. Thanks to the people of Taiwan, we have written a new page of democracy together and shown the world how much we cherish our democratic institutions, which is something we will never give up on. Beijing sees Taiwan as its own territory to be reunited by force if necessary. Most countries, including the U.S., do not recognize Taiwan as an independent state, but Washington is opposed to any attempt to take the self-ruled island by force and is committed to arming Taiwan. But while Lai won the presidency, his party lost seats in the self-ruled island's legislature. What does that mean in terms of passing bills and enacting actual policies? This is Inside China. I'm Jasmine Se. To find out more about the Taiwan election results and what lies ahead, I'm turning to Post correspondent Kinling Lo. Hey, Kinling. So William Lai won the Taiwan election on Saturday evening. I'm wondering what were you thinking when that happened? Did this result come as a surprise to you? It actually wasn't a really surprising result. The result was pretty much reflected from public opinion polls. So in Taiwan, there are public opinion polls that people refer to when they try to predict the presidential election results beforehand. And from what I gathered, most of these public opinion polls were predicting a win from the DPP, which is the party that Lai represents. And they have also mostly predicted that uh, Hao Yi from Kuomintang would be coming second and Kuenzhe coming third. So the result came out mostly the same as what was largely expected. The only part that was, I would say, more uncertain when the polls were out was that actually Lai Qingde seemed to have won slightly more votes than most polls predicted. Um, I feel like most polls were predicting a closer win. And also for Kuenzhe, there were political analysts and also in the Taiwanese voting tradition that there could be strategic voting happening, meaning that because Ke is from a third party and a much smaller party than the other two, that people would perhaps decide to drop vote for Ke and instead vote for either of the major parties to have their candidate win the election and so that their vote wouldn't go to waste. But then I think it's largely concluded that from at least the votes from this time, Ke has got substantial voter support and that strategic voting scenario didn't really happen. You mentioned how Ke is from a third party. Exactly how does his party differ from the DPP and the KMT? So Ke Wenzhe was very well known as um, once Taipei city mayor. He founded his party, um, the Taiwan People's Party, in 2019. And I think it was already generally understood in Taiwan that he created the party partly to run for uh, president one day. 
So Co's platform for this presidential race was a promise to address the high housing prices problem in Taiwan and other social issues affecting young people like wages. So that has been a core of his platform. And Taiwan's political parties are often referred to in colors. So blue is Kuomintang, green is the DPP, and Close party has been labeled as white. So the party wanted to give people an impression that Taiwan has been trapped in the polarization uh, between the blue and the green camp for too long. It has been divided on cross-strait issues and therefore a lot of problems domestically uh, were not solved. And so Ke has basically been saying that his party is going to be um, pragmatic in solving problems domestically, and that has been apparently a very attractive message that voters received. The election on Saturday wasn't just for the presidency. It was also for the legislature. How did the three political parties fare in the legislative election? So Taiwan's legislature, also called the Legislative Yuan, it's a 113-member legislature, and they have been voted through two different methods. So voters get to vote for legislative members from their home district, and they also get another vote, um, which is called the party vote, where they get to vote for either of the three parties, and then the parties would have a list of candidates ready. So it's a proportional voting. So it depends on how many votes they got on the party vote side. And that would make up how many legislative members they propose are able to get into the legislative grant. So from the election, if we're just talking about the number of legislative members, Kuomintang has the most members. They have 52 seats, whereas DPP who used to have majority of 61 seats, now has gone down to only having 51. So they basically lost 10 seats. And for Kuomintang, it's a 14-seat gain. So that's quite a change. And whereas for Kulinger's TPP, they now have eight seats in the legislature, making them basically a critical minority because no political party uh, has an absolute majority, which would be the bar to pass bills. The rest of the two seats went to independent candidates who didn't register any party affiliation. But according to Taiwan's political analysts, those two were also more in the blue camp in general. The blue camp is the KMT. Yep. So Lai won the presidency, but his party lost the legislative majority. What does this mean for Lai in terms of governance? So Lai Qingde won his presidency with 40 0.05% votes from the electorate. While winning the presidency, this is actually way lower than what his predecessor Tsai Ing-wen got in the last round of presidential election in 2020. Tsai got 57.1% of the votes, which is an absolute majority. The votes that Lai Qingde got would actually mean that he is facing a quite challenging future in his governance not just because it reflects that the DPP's support from the people is could be actually understood as dropping. It also is because of what we mentioned, the, the division of the legislative yuan. So after the election, I was talking to some political analysts. Most people are wondering how the legislative yuan would be operating in the future because of how TPP, Koenja's party, has become a critical minority, meaning that they have the sway basically in in all 
sorts of bills and discussions if any of the party want to have their agenda passed. Mostly the discussion now is on whether or not Kuomintang and TPP could actually form some sort of coalition in the legislature in order to be able to pass bills. And actually when Kuenja conceded, he already said he would not stick with working with one party. He said whoever is reasonable, whoever is right, will work with them. So I think the image he's presenting now is not to be thought as already sided with either of the party. Although politically, people were expecting him to work with Kuomintang more just because of how their political stance on some issues, especially on cross straits, gave the impression of being more towards each other. But then it's actually hard to predict how TPP will affect the whole operation. And as for Latinda as a president, if the executive branch of the government is always unable to pass their bills in the legislative grant, whereas opposition's party have teamed up and is always able to pass the bills, I think that would create quite a chaos in the legislative grant. So the ball is now in TPP's court. Let's go back to Lai. Taiwan's relations with mainland China are often a focus in the media. What has Lai said about cross-strait relations? So in media reporting, we tend to um, label DPP as the independence-leaning or pro-independence political party. During the whole election campaign, um, actually, if you just listen to the debates or how they present their policies, on the surface, all three candidates have been saying that, oh, we are your best choice if you want to see peace in the Taiwan Strait. And that basically reflects perhaps the one big consensus among the people in Taiwan, which is they do not want a war, no matter if they thought the island should be closer or further away from Beijing. Um, so that was also what Lai Qingde has been saying all along. Also throughout the campaign, Lai Qingde was always being attacked that he would be a pro-independent politician at heart. And it's always being referred to a quote that he has said before when he was still like a legislative uh, member. But then throughout the campaign, Lai has been saying that he also wishes to maintain cross-strait status quo. And in his first speech after his victory, he repeated this message. And he said that under principles of dignity and parity, Taiwan is willing to exchange with China and cooperate with China. But then I'd say that this is also what Tsai Ing-wen has been saying all along her presidency. The basis was that she did not support the 1992 consensus, which in Beijing's eyes was the foundation of any communication with Taiwan. And that's a major difference uh, with Kuomintang from the very first place on cross-strait relations. Kuomintang seized the 1992 consensus as something that would open door for communication. And so Kuomintang focuses less on what it means to Beijing and focuses on communication. According to their um, candidate Hao Yi and also other politicians have said, uh, speeches related before. But then for DPP, it's more that if they agree to upholding the 1992 consensus, it is basically putting Taiwan in a position that entertains Beijing's speech of 
thinking that Taiwan needs to be returned to the motherland one day. So that's DPP's justification of not going back to such a consensus. But then also during Latin the speech, he did say that Taiwan is very determined to be safeguarded from continuing threats and intimidation from China, reflecting, I think, that the DPP will stay skeptical. And it is also largely expected that because of the tensions between China and the U.S., that Taiwan would probably continue to be a political hotspot in the future. And I don't think there seems to be any suggested change that the DPP would far away from their previous uh, position on cross straits. The only thing that could change was actually because now that the DPP has lost majority in the legislative again, there is a possibility that there could be more pro-exchange bills that would be passed because of Koenja and Hou Yi's political platforms before, but we'll see. So Lai is going to try to maintain what his predecessor had been doing, But what does Beijing think of him? So Beijing has labeled Lai as a troublemaker and a separatist. Even during the campaign, they were saying that if DPP was in another term of governance, it would increase risks of war in the Taiwan Strait. After Lai Qingde was elected, in a brief statement, Beijing's Taiwan Affairs Office said that the results of the presidential and legislative elections showed that the DPP does not represent the mainstream public opinion on the island. Um, I think referring to how they do not have majority. And obviously their future policy and stance on cross-trade would be um, hugely influential on the cross-trade relations. And Beijing also said that the elections, um, quote-unquote, cannot change the basic pattern and development direction of cross-strait relations, um, nor can it stop the general trend that the motherland will eventually be reunified, um, end quote. So basically Beijing was just restating their stance on cross-strait that has been repeated before. But even if DPP did not win an absolute majority in this election, they are essentially what people have chosen in this democratic system. And it's something that's actually very telling because no political party in Taiwan has ever won a third term in governance. And what those 40% means for Taiwan is perhaps also a very solid vote to say that no matter what, they prefer the DPP in government. I'm curious, what was your reaction to the mainland's reaction? Did Beijing's response surprise you? So I think um, an interesting development was that a Pacific island, Nauru, um, has announced to cut off diplomatic ties with Taiwan and switch to establish relations with Beijing. This came on Monday, so it's within 48 hours from um, the election results. So poaching Taiwan's diplomatic partners has always been one of the measures that Beijing has taken to basically pressure Taiwan on the international stage. So this was a very interesting development. I think the timing was extremely um, telling of of how that's a punishment and a warning to Taiwan that if you decide to continue to uh, not work along with us, then you would only be facing more pressure. 
so far, that seemed to be the only practical uh, move that has been taken. Whereas we are not hearing anything in terms of economic policy, or we have not heard of more fighter jets, um, I guess, practicing along the straits um, as for now. But then I think these are also actually expected to come. It just hasn't come yet. You previously mentioned how the TPP gained a lot of popularity because they addressed high housing prices, the high cost of living. During this election, which one was more important to voters? Was it Taiwan's relationship with mainland China or was it these domestic economic issues? In Taiwan's democracy, I think the party's stance on cross-strait relations will always be the top most important feature that determines their political leaning. But voters also, of course, are concerned about other domestic issues like housing, wages, um, and also corruption scandals of these um, candidates. But this is also another special feature of the Taiwan's election. In terms of policy, I don't think the parties are actually that deviated from each other, apart from one domestic topic, which is on um, energy and nuclear energy. That's a topic that parties have different opinions on. But then apart from that, if we are talking about improving housing, affordability and wages of young people, actually all political parties would say that they are for improving these things. It's just perhaps the methods of doing it. So in terms of the ways how these things run, I don't think voters, at least the ones I talk to, they think there's this big of a difference in terms of voting who to be in government. One voter even said to me that he believes that no matter who is in government, the housing prices wouldn't go down. It's just that he also wants to vote for somebody that he thinks is different from the previous term. I think in Taiwan's young democracy, it's interesting to me that no matter um, young people or old people, they always seem to be emphasizing a message that they see voting as their civil right and they really treasure their chance to cast a ballot. And so apart from domestic issues or cross-strait relations, they also think about what's the best thing to do to keep the democracy alive. That's why when Kuomintang, the opposition party, was campaigning, they they made the call for party alteration, one of their major campaign slogans, meaning that DPP has been in government for eight years. It's time for another party to be in government. So there's a chance to afford letting the party have too much power because of being in government for too long. So these are also considerations that voters have. And in terms of Taiwan's relationship with the U.S., Will Lai bring about big changes or can we expect him to maintain the status quo? So after winning, Lai Tingde has said that Taiwan will continue to walk with other democracies in the world. I think that's a very clear indication that Lai Tingde sees Taiwan to be continuing in having a closer relations with the U.S., that has been the same case uh, under Tsai wens governance. The U.S. has also been repeating that they would want to see status quo in the Taiwan Straits and they want peace and stability. But having all that said, it's pretty clear that Taiwan, unfortunately, is an issue juggling between China and the U.S. So ultimately, no matter what Lai Qingde plans for Taiwan, ultimately, it really depends on the relationship between China and the U.S., in order to figure out the island's fate. I want to end with a final question. 
Taiwan's presidential election had gained a lot of attention, not just from us in the Asia-Pacific region, but also from the West. Who runs Taiwan is clearly a really important matter for many around the world. After electing Lai to the presidency, what kind of message is Taiwan sending to the rest of the world? Lai Qingde has said that the election results reflect that Taiwanese people choose democracy over autocracy. I think it's clear now that because it's such an unprecedented result that DPP was able to gain a third term in governance since the times of when society was still very much in discussion of the prospects of a reunification uh, I think that is actually, in a way, be an outdated topic for Taiwan today. Taiwan's public opinion polls also always pull on what Taiwan people think about cross-strait relations and how they see the prospects of so-called reunifying with China. And in the last one, which was published in November, um, nearly half of them think they are pro-independent. And I think the election results do somehow reflect that essence. You know, it's it's been decades since Kuomintang first fled to Taiwan and governed this place after losing the civil war to the Chinese Communist Party. And for young people, especially in this generation, they've grown up in a society that's one of the most free and most open, most liberal democracy in Asia. I don't think the whole... Um, reunification talk to them is of any strong attraction. Even for people who are more so-called pro-China, most of them would actually identify themselves as more pro-status quo. And yes, they might agree with being from a Chinese heritage. They might align themselves with the Chinese culture. They might even agree with being called Chinese in general. But then Taiwan people don't see their identity as close to mainland China or the mainland Chinese society today. So I think in the future, the whole identity of being from Taiwan and being Taiwanese would only go stronger. That was Kinling Lo. You can find her latest articles and the rest of our Taiwan coverage at scmp.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.